Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 12. (laughs) Revelation chapter 12. Amen. The way the Bible is interpreted a lot of times is through people's paradigm shifts or their traditions, and that's why we always say here at Anchor Faith Church, according to Matthew 15, 3, why do you forsake the commandments of God for the sake of your traditions? So you have to decide that the Bible is right, period. Rightly divided, that is, and that you want the Bible to interpret itself. I'm thankful for the gifts that are in the body. You cannot deny them or ignore them. And the minute you say, well, I don't need them, that's the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. Well, then you're off because you're saying you don't need something God says you need. All right. Um, And those gifts are there to equip the saints. They are to receive a revelation of the word that then communicate that opens up God's word and makes it alive in you as the Holy Ghost bears witness to the teaching they give you that that is correct. Then you are to study it out for yourself. And you don't believe it just because they say it. You believe it because you now study it yourself and say, wow, that is right on. That doesn't mean you're being critical. That just means you're examining scripture. Okay, there's a difference. And so anytime that I read from any author, I'm always examining because this is why we go from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. That's the whole Bible so that we can always keep things in context. Because when you begin to discover something, you have to then question what maybe you know. I'm going to say that again. When you discover something, sometimes you have to question what you know because what you know may be in a lens that is not as clear as it needs to be. And I don't care if your mom told you that or your dad told you that. They could have been wrong concerning the scripture. I don't care if you have a, someone, a loved one that's a pastor. They could be off. It could get off. They may not even be trying to be off. They just heard a tradition, make a statement, and hadn't actually studied that statement out for themselves. So again, it's very important that we take time to study the scripture for ourselves. And in Revelations 12, 10 to 11, something was said by this author that I'll read here in a moment, but it kind of woke something in me that got me stinking. It made me go down some journeys. And he says, and Revelations 12, 10 through 11 says this, and when I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren have been what? Thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. Verse 11, and they overcame him because of what? The blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. Now we're going to talk about this particular passage of scripture a little bit differently than what we probably generally have heard. Because you know, you know as well as I do, as you study the word of God, there's always something more in a scripture that we've yet to mine out. There's just so much more. 
Because as you learn little things here and there along the way and you begin to see stuff from, again, the beginning of the book, Genesis 1-1, to the end of Revelations, all of a sudden context takes place. One of the biggest failures of ministers and saints alike is that we interpret Scripture or we begin to apply Scripture from wrong covenants. Meaning, we will go back into books and begin to make them applicable today when they are modified based upon the covenant we're in. Job, many people go to Job. But you know, Job was before the law of Moses. It was before that law even took place. But people will go over to Job and say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Well, the Lord didn't take nothing away if you actually read the book of Job. So if you actually read the book of Job, you'll know that Satan took away. So Job was ignorant. It's factual. It is a true statement that Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but it was a failure to recognize who actually took away. Hallelujah. So most people have a belief system that if you lose something, it's God. Well, there's an enemy out there that comes to kill steal and destroy hallelujah so it's amazing how many people get into the new covenant and they act like all of the old covenant is gone until they need to apply something from the old covenant it's amazing how they'll do these things and so we have to make sure that when we're interpreting things or we're looking at the word of God, we're looking at it in the context of the covenant we're living in. That means the revealed will of God in the age we live. Yes. Are you hearing me? Yes. So Jesus said again in verse 10, or the scripture says, then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. Has Christ come? Yes. I said, has he come? Yes. Has he come? Yes. Has he defeated the devil? Yes. <clears throat> has he whipped and stripped him of his power? Yes. According to Colossians 2, has he whipped him? Yes. Has he spooled principalities and powers? Yes. Has he taken back the dominion that Adam took from, uh, that the devil took from Adam? Yes. yes, he has. And can he give that dominion back to us? Yes. <clears throat> now, what dominion are we talking about? We're talking about the dominion in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It said, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion or rule. So man was created in the image of God. God is the ruler of all creation. And then he placed, makes a planet that he puts a man that's in his image according to his likeness, basically of his DNA and says, I want you to rule this place like I rule. Amen. And so he gave man the, the authority on earth to rule how the system functioned. And it was to mirror heaven's way. That's, right. That's why Jesus again said, now this is how we pray, people. That the will of heaven is done where? On earth. Right? So Jesus letting us know this principle was never to be violated. But the first Adam violated that principle. He gave his dominion over to the devil when he ate the fruit that he was never supposed to eat. That the Lord said, don't eat it because the day you eat, you will surely, surely die. And when he did that, the Luke chapter four account of the temptation of Christ, the devil himself says, I can give you all these domains, all these kingdoms, 
because they've been handed over to me and he received them from the first Adam. But Jesus is the last Adam. And in fact, in essence, Jesus came and functioned under the dominion that the first Adam lost. And that's why he performed the miracles that he did. If all you got to do is read Genesis 126, and then you look at all the miracles he did in the four gospels, they are within that dominion mandate. This is why fish show up in nets. This is why fish multiply in his hand. This is why plants die. This is why winds and waves listen. This is why my wife and I took the same principle that the Lord said to us in the scripture, the works that I do. Well, you know what? Jesus did works other than heal the sick. He did works other than cast out devils. He did other works than just raise the dead. He spoke to nature. I said he spoke to nature. So there was a hurricane that was out in the Atlantic that was headed to Bermuda. Sorry, you're not authorized because the Lord has authorized that I could take off September the 1st through the 9th and I'm going to Bermuda. So this cannot be. Are you hearing me? <laughs> and so we spoke to the storm that it cannot. You're going to have to just split it. Now, aren't you glad you were on our cruise ship? <laughs> Megan and Gunter happened to be on the same ship. Out of all the ships to pick, <laughs> we were on the same one, but we had a great time. And Bermuda was awesome. They took us to lunch and we overlooked the ocean off a golf course or dinner. It was amazing. Watch the sunset. Woo, it was so good. Anyway, but that wouldn't have happened if we would have been like, well, you know, whatever happens, it's an act of God. Not all na natural events are an act of God. I said, not all natural events are act of, acts of God. So we spoke to it and it never hit the coast. I mean, the outer bands didn't even get there. Are you hearing me? Well, guess what? Lee's brewing. He's out there now. Amen. Well, he can't come to Florida. Not only could it not hinder our cruise because God has authorized me to be off. That's the only reason I'm off. But number two, I have to have sun. Because I am not floating on a tin can for nine days and it raining. It's not happening. It's not going to happen. So we pray for no rain. Now they can bear witness. It only showered for like five minutes on day seven, was it? Maybe. That's it. Period. And it's just done. It's one of our days at sea. Everything else, nothing but sunshine. I said nothing but sunshine, and I have the tan to prove it. <laughs> you say, well, why would the Lord do that? Because he loves me. And this is the thing. People act like, well, I can't. Why would you ask the Lord for that? Because he cares for me. Something that simple. He cares for me. He loves me. I mean, what parent that could do for their child don't do for their child? And we're at like, we're giving God some massive, like it's a big deal for God to say, well, okay, son, I'll make sure no clouds get on your course. Well, God has so much more important things. There's nothing more important to him than his kids. 
I said, there's nothing more important things to, to him than his kids. He loves us that much. He gives to us exceedingly abundantly far beyond what we could think or imagine. We think that God's only concerned about lost people. Jesus, he, Jesus already paid the price for lost people. It's done. It's our responsibility to tell the lost. That's what we're tasked to do, is to communicate. Jesus Christ is not actually praying for lost people. The Bible says he intercedes for the saints. He's praying that we would get revelation and that we would follow him and we would obey and we would do wherever his spirit directed us. And if we would do that, then the lost would have the greatest opportunity to hear the word. Hallelujah. Such resistance right now. This is interesting. Now, it's not with my church folk that's been here a while. It's new people, I can tell. It's because you hadn't been trained. I'm just going to be honest with you. You haven't been trained. One of the biggest arrogant problems that we have in Christianity today is that the minute people get born again, they instantly think they know everything. Yeah, the Bible calls you a babe in Christ. But you have to study. It's shocking to me that in, when we were lost and we discovered Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave to give us life, that we were willing to admit we're wrong and accept Jesus. But when it comes to the renewing of the mind, we are least, we are very resistant to want to change our thinking to reflect this new life we're in. Nor do we want to hear somebody tell us when our thinking's wrong, even when the scripture proves it is. Hallelujah. Amen. Because our Father has given us a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And most of us don't even know what the kingdom's about because they think it's a destination, it's heaven. Heaven is a place. Earth is a place and the kingdom's in both locations. I said it's in both locations. Hallelujah. This is really about sonship. Being born again was not about going to heaven. Being born again was about becoming a son of God so that the Holy Ghost could come and live on the inside of you now. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? So with that being said, it went on to say that they overcame him with the blood of the lamb. Jesus has stripped the devil of his power and they overcame him with the blood of the lamb because of the word of the, and the word of their testimony and did not love their life even when facing death. Genesis 4, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to talk to you about the blood of the lamb today. But in order for us to talk about the blood of the lamb, we're going to talk about some other blood. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, Hopefully you got your own electronic device or Bible so you can follow us while they're getting the projectors up and running or the, the, the um, computer. It says, then the Lord said to Cain, Genesis 4, verse 9 and 10, then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? Now to bring you up to speed, for those that may not know, this historical account of two people who actually lived on planet Earth, this is an actual event that took place, okay? This is not a fairy tale. These are real people. And that Cain and Abel offered to God an offering, gave him an offering. There is no law of Moses here. They were not commanded in a writing to give. But yet, it was out of their heart. There's something being demonstrated in the planet 
within about 115 years of creation that Cain and Abel know we're supposed to give to God. I'm going to say that again. We're supposed to give to God. And so Cain brought a sacrifice and Abel brought a sacrifice and God had no regard for Cain's, but he accepted Abel's. And the Lord speaks to Cain about this. He said, now listen, sin is crouching at your door. He gave him instruction and correction on how to fix this deal. He says, now listen, you can master this. Means you can win. I mean, this guy's fallen. But the Lord's like, you can, based upon what you know about me, you can live righteous enough to get this right just like your brother Abel did. Are you hearing me? And that correction, Cain went and told Abel about it. Went and instructed, said, this is what the Lord told me. And you know, it bothered him so much being corrected that he turned his offense of God towards his brother. I'm going to say that again. He turned his offense of God towards his brother. The reason why unity in the church is so difficult is because so many people are actually offended with God and they turn it on their brother. They start blaming their brother for their problems and blaming their brother for why they can't get ahead and blaming their brother why they can't get somewhere and look, you didn't smile and talk to me and all this stuff and they start musing this in their mind. And so Cain raises up and kills his brother. Now the Lord shows up and says, where's your brother? And Cain says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now notice verse 10, his response. Jesus is, or the Lord's response. He said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. I'm going to say that again. The voice of your brother's blood. The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Ephesians, or not Ephesians, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 gives us an insight again of this particular Genesis scripture. It says, by faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Though through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testified about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Although he's what? Dead. He still, he still, what spoke? What spoke? The blood. The blood. It was still speaking. I said the blood was still speaking. Are you hearing me? Oh, my goodness. Listen to this. This author says this. It says, in fact, it was Abel's blood that convicted Cain for what he had done and ushered in his sentence. We read about this in Genesis, right? And it says this. That Abel's blood showed up in the courtroom of heaven to give testimony to Cain's guilt. Abel's blood showed up in the courtroom of heaven and gave testimony. Gave what? Testimony. Testimony. 
gave testimony. Say the blood speaks. Come on, say the blood speaks. Now, in today's churches, you're not hearing a lot about the blood. That's not in every church. There are plenty of churches out there that are ministering on the blood. You're just not seeing them on social media. They're just not getting the airtime. They're not getting the likes. They're getting suppressed in their messaging because the algorithm works against the word of truth. Okay? What you are getting is everybody who's talking just nonsense. Okay, the popular ones, the ones that get all the likes because they're feeding into people's flesh. And again, I told you at some point I'm going to deal with the social media minister. Okay, I'm not going to pull them up personally. I'm not going to show you who they are, but I'm just going to talk about some of the things that they say because they're really, it is their platform for false doctrine. And the problem is, is that most believers, because they're absolutely illiterate to the word of God, they identify through their feelings what that person says. And because they identify through their feelings what that person said, because I associate, I, know, I, felt, I feel that myself, then they allow them to manipulate them with scripture. And as a result of that, then people are using that scripture without ever studying it out themselves to determine if it's truth the way they're saying it is. Hallelujah. So, but the blood speaks. Turn over to 2 Kings chapter 9. 2 Kings chapter 9. Thank you, Lord. In 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 24 and 25, it says it this way. It's very interesting that I need all these scriptures to literally be seen. It's amazing. The blood speaks. Y'all need to make sure you're in something you can see. Because if there's ever been a message to understand about the blood, it's this one. And I'm not technically surprised that the computer went down, but I do not like that it did. Because most of you show up without any instrument or Bible, and you're heavily dependent on the screen. So if you have a phone, download a Bible app right now so that you can go with us at minimum. Do that, because I know everybody's sporting a phone in here, at least. Again, we miss so much if you're only hearing me. You have to let your eyes go across the scripture when we're reading it. 2 Kings 9, 24 to 26 says, Then Jehu drew his bow with his full strength and shot... Uh, Joram, or Joram, however you say this guy's name, between his arms, which happens to be the descendant of King Saul, or King uh, Ahab, excuse me. And the arrow went through his heart, and he sank in his chariot. Then Jehu said to his officer, take him up and cast him uh, into, onto, or into the property of the fill of Naboth, the Je uh, uh, Jezreelite, for I remember when you and I were riding together after Ahab, his father, that the Lord laid this oracle against him. Surely I have seen yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons, says the Lord, and I will repay you in this property, says the Lord. Now then, take and cast him into the property according to the word of the Lord. So the blood of Naboth is speaking. So let's go and get a backstory. You have to go back to 1 Kings chapter 21 to find this. In 1 Kings chapter 21 verses 1 through 3 it says, Now it came about after these things that Naboth had a vineyard that was in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab the king of Samaria. And Ahab spoke to him saying, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is close beside my house and I will give you a better vineyard than, than 
it, it in its place. You, if you like, I will give you the price of it in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, God forbid me that I should give you the inheritance of my father. Now, we know that Jezebel is not real happy about this because he shows up depressed, the king. So verse 7, same chapter. Jezebel's wife said, do you now reign over Israel? Arise, eat bread, and let your heart be joyful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth. So she wrote a letter in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent letters to the elders and to the nobles who were living with Naboth in, this, in his city. She wrote in the letter saying, proclaim a fast, seat Naboth at the head of the people, and seat two worthless men before him, and let them testify against him, saying, you curse God and the king, then take him out and stone him to death. So the government, put a hit on the citizen, made the document top secret so that nobody knew and they eliminated one of their own just so the king could have a piece of property. Are you hearing me? But 1 Kings chapter 21 verse 17, the Lord heard the blood Say, the blood speaks. The blood speaks. When the word of the Lord came, verse 17 of the 21st chapter of 1 Kings, when the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go meet Ahab, king of Israel, who was in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, you have murdered and also taken possession. Are you hearing me? Uh, and you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where the dogs lick up the blood of Naboth, the dogs will lick up your blood, even yours. So Naboth's blood testified against Ahab and his wife Jezebel in the courtroom of heaven. Say the blood speaks. Then he goes down in verse 23. He said of Jezebel has also has the Lord spoken saying the dogs will eat Jezebel in the district of Jezreel. Well, for this to take place, God um, anoints a man named Jehu to become king of Israel. After Ahab's death and his son is on the throne. And it says in 2 Kings, back in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 7, he said, you shall strike the house of Ahab, your master, and I'm, that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. So not only has the blood of Naboth cried out, but every prophet that Jezebel killed their blood has made it to the courtroom of heaven and has testified. Say the blood speaks. Come on, say the blood speaks. So we know, we've already read that he shot the son of Ahab with an arrow, went through his heart, died on the chariot, and they took his body and threw it into the same field that not only did Naboth 
die, but they also went and killed his sons as well. They destroyed the inheritance, the line, so that no son could raise up against them to claim ownership of the land that Jezebel had murdered them to give to her husband. <laughs> them jump down to verse 33 of 2 Kings 9. Y'all doing all right? Yes. 33, 37, and he said, throw her down. This is talking about Jezebel. You know, she got her face all painted up and she saw uh, Jehu show up. She goes, oh, you little betrayer. You know, you're the one who's brought, the, brought treason to the throne. And he said, throw her down. And so they threw her down and some of her blood was sprinkled on the walls and on the horses and he trampled her underfoot. And when he came in, he ate and drank and said, see now to this cursed woman and bury her for she is a king's daughter. And they went to bury her, but they found nothing more of her than a skull and the feet and the palms of her hand. Therefore, they returned and told him and he said, this is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Elijah saying, in the property of Jezreel, the dog shall eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the corpse of Jezebel will be as dung on the face of the field in the property of Jezreel, so they cannot say, this is Jezebel. Talking about wanting to get your name, get erased off of the planet? Go ahead and keep doing things against the word of God and shed innocent blood. Because the blood is speaking. So let me just tell you this. There is no circumstantial evidence in the courtroom of heaven. There is no such thing as circumstantial evidence. You know what circumstantial evidence is? That is, there's no real eyewitness. We do not have the smoking gun. We see, we were there when it happened. We saw it take place. We are eyewitnesses. We saw them do it. We can testify. We can say we were there. We saw it. And so circumstantial evidence means that there's enough there that although we don't have the smoking gun, we don't have the actual eyewitnesses and two or three at that, what we have is just enough to conclude you were there and we're calling it guilty, although we can't prove it beyond the circumstantial evidence. But when you get to heaven's court, that doesn't exist. Why? Because every conviction is because the blood speaks. Do you understand? Let me say it this way. The author of this particular book says it this way. Ah, oh, my, my, my. Y'all doing all right? Mm, maybe I'll wait. <laughs> Revelation 6, 9 and 10 says, When the Lamb broke the fifth seal... I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Joel 3.21, the Lord says this, I will avenge their blood which I have not avenged, for the Lord dwells in Zion. 
So there's not one drop that justice will not be served. Let me say it this way. From the king's perspective, there is no injustice. From the king's perspective, there is no injustice. Because everything done will be dealt with. Everything. Everything. So you could go your whole life and never see something come to pass. But don't think it's not coming to pass. Don't think it's not coming to pass. Don't think that justice will not be served. No one is ever getting away with anything. Ever. 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 I said ever. No one is ever getting away with something because the blood is always talking. I said the blood is talking. Do you know how many murders there's been, globally speaking, that those voices have already made it to the courtroom of heaven? They will be personal testimonies. I was there. Oh, yeah. The blood of Naboth got in the stand and says, I was there. I was there when they pulled out the letter from the king. Guess what? He heard the letter being read. Right? He knows what they said about him. He knows that wasn't true. Are you hearing me? And that blood enacted God to go into his mode of where he determined who was the source. Who started this thing? And he held them accountable. I said he held them accountable. You would think that Jezebel got away with murder. In the day we live in today, in the last of the last days, there is so much unrighteousness happening right now that it'll make your head spin to be able to try to actually find justice happening. In fact, the Bible tells us in the end there will be what they call lawlessness. You are going to hear of more and more cases of things taking place that you'll never get a resolution. But if you know the blood speaks, then you'll know there's a courtroom in heaven and this isn't final. Amen. Because think about it. If you knew someone killed your child and it seems they were getting away with it, but you know they're coming to court and they're going to sit before the king, then you can say, your day is coming. You didn't get away with anything. I said you didn't get away with anything. Because you know how many parents are wanting to see that person that did that to their child receive that sentence? What is that? There's closure for them. They feel like justice has been served, that the wrong done to the innocence of their child has now had a payment back for. That the person's paying the price for their wrongdoing. Are you hearing me? And I know that the blood's speaking. 
I said the blood speaking. I said the blood speaking. Hebrews chapter 12. There's no blood ever spilt that doesn't speak. Even blood that never made it out of the womb. The blood is speaking. All right. Welcome back, Pastor. <laughs> Listen, I'm not here to be popular. I'm here to deliver the word of the Lord. And it's time for you to understand the blood. Because when you know the blood, then passion's not a problem. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 22, turn there. Hebrews 12, 22 to 25 says this, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriad of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. The blood speaks better than the blood of Abel. That speaks better than the blood of Abel. Jesus' blood is speaking. The blood of Jesus that's been poured out on the mercy seat is speaking. So let's read this from this author. If Jesus' blood speaks better than Abel's blood, what is his blood saying? What's Jesus' blood saying is that it overrules the condemnation due us for our sin. For as we read Romans 8, 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Abel's blood showed up in the courtroom of heaven to give testimony to Cain's guilt. Jesus' blood testifies in the same courtroom so that we may have forgiveness and pardon when we have trusted in him for the salvation of our soul. Jesus' blood overrules the accuser. Jesus' blood silences the prosecution. Jesus' blood protects, delivers, empowers those who have placed faith in him. His blood is the power of his sacrifice, which operates today on behalf of anyone who needs it, places their faith in him to receive it. Jesus' blood pronounces judgment on Satan in the courtroom of heaven. And they overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb. Why? Because the blood is talking today. The blood is testifying on your behalf. The blood is saying, no, 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 Mr. Devil. They've been bought and paid for. No, 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 Mr. Devil. You can't accuse them of that anymore. I've paid that price. We can't even be in this position without the blood. Because the Bible says it's without, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. 
And here we are, if we don't watch out, we are trying to live in a new and better covenant, but in the old one. What do I mean? Well, that means the high priest. Well, Jesus is a high priest, but they had a high priest. And the high priest would go in once a year, right? And he'd make atonement for the nation. They would shed the blood, put it on the mercy seat so that it would bring protection. I'm not going to get into a blood covenant class here, but would do protection for the whole nation so that God could continue to bless them and forgive them of all their wrong. Believers today are constantly wanting to live life any way they want to and come by once a year on Easter so that the high priest can bless them. But then live like they're in the world. And say grace has covered them. Really? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 24 again. And to Jesus, the mediator. He's the mediator. This is what's so awesome about Jesus. Jesus died so that he could give us his nature. We could become children of God again. But he doesn't stay dead. He actually comes back alive to make sure you get everything he said was yours. Unlike in the natural, if someone leaves you in their last will and testament and inheritance, well, some crooked person could squander it or manipulate or do something and keep it from you, and you may never know. But Jesus actually came back alive and said, no, no, no. No, you can't. No, I left them healing. No, I left them prosperity. No, I left them joy. No, I left them peace. No, I left them to, uh, to, and the blood testifies. It's speaking on your behalf. So he's the mediator of this new covenant. And to, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel, verse 25, see to it that you do not refuse him who was speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much or much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven? How, it says much less. The Western culture of Christianity has done a disservice to the blood because it has cheapened it. It's basically says I can do whatever I want to do because of the blood and because I have grace now that I didn't work for Jack, that I don't have to do anything once I'm a child of God anyway. Because the grace covers me. And there's plenty out there today saying, I can do what I want to do. And if you try to tell me I have to do this, that, and the other, you're under the law. Well, you are under a law if you actually read your Bible. It's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's in Romans. That's new covenant. That's due to church. But law is not a negative word. Law just means the way God operates. Because you're still under thou shalt not murder. 
You're still under thou shalt not steal. You're still there. <laughs> it's the grace of God that puts you in a position so you don't steal. And it's the grace of God that empowers you so that you don't murder. In fact, it goes even closer. It get, it, the grace of God will keep you from hating your brother, which is a form of murder anyway. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 to 29. It says, if we go on will, sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe, how much severe, how much severe, next word, punishment. This is New Testament book. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of his covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace. Because the blood's speaking. The blood is on the mercy seat. Jesus' blood speaks louder than the blood of Abel. So you can't say, well, Lord, I can't help it. The blood's saying, you can. Well, Lord, you know, I just can't help but sin. The, Lord's, the blood says, you can. The blood says, I delivered you from that. I set you free from that. I put my spirit in you. The blood says, I gave you my spirit. And my spirit is greater in you than, I mean, you know how people sing this stuff, but yet don't lift this stuff. It's because they have no regard for the blood. At least in the Old Covenant, you got to feel it. I said you got to feel it. When you brought your sacrifice, that lamb that you raised yourself without spot or wrinkle, and you fed every day, and then you brought him to the priest, and you got to put your hand on it while they cut its throat and watch it bleed out, and then you see the blood all that was it. You watched it give up its life. And we've lost sight that Jesus Christ, we all had our hands on Jesus. We were the ones that were beating on him. We were the ones that were doing all that. And we've lost sight of it. How do I know? Because we're not passionate about the things of God. We forgot the price. And we forget that it's speaking. That it's without excuse for us to be casual. For us to be complacent. For us to be more concerned about what's going on in the world than what's going on in the church. 
We've cheapened it. Why? And we've cheapened it with this word, free. The blood's not free, people. It is a price. It is a gift to you, but it costs Jesus his life. How many times do you give a gift to someone that they just disregard and throw it away? They don't even think of the sacrifice or the value. This is why we go to Dollar Tree and, and Dollar General and the little $1 to $5 place in Target and buy gifts for one another because we know they really don't value anything we give them anyway. Because you really don't want to spend that much on someone anyway. Look, I'm going to buy your house and pay your mortgage. Then you show up at their house and it's trashed. We can probably go to a lot of government housing right now and see that it doesn't look pristine. And somebody's subsidizing it. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this. Okay, that's fine. Because why? We're so disconnected from the price. We've forgotten about the blood. I mean, when you think about the blood, you're like, man, I'm going to be right with God. I'm going to serve in his church. I'm going to love him with my whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. I mean, he poured everything out. I mean, he gave all for me. I mean, his blood is talking right now on my behalf. He is standing in the gap for me. He is the one testifying. It's his blood speaking on my behalf every day, talking about my deliverance, talking about me. His blood is talking. And you know what his blood will also say? His blood will say, well, they don't value me. Because obviously the blood can say they're trampling. They're trampling. They're trampling on me. No value. No value. Most places are more concerned about being entertained than they are being about receiving the word. Blood speaks. I mean, think about Exodus. The last great sign. Um, angel going to come by and kill the firstborn. Well, what do we do? Just put some blood on your doorpost. It'll talk on your behalf. I mean, I'm telling you, the blood will deliver you out of all your trouble. Because it is speak on your behalf. Every time the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, if you have the blood... I said, if you'll have a recognition of the blood, if you understand that you got to put your trust in the fact that the blood is the covenant by which you are in, and it means everything to you, then you can cause it to pass by. But most people want to be outside the house. Okay. The blood covered the house. Who is the house? The church is the household of God. But they want to be outside the church. They want personal Jesus. Praise the Lord. Turn over to 1 Peter so we can get you shouting. I want you to shout a little bit. Get excited. Hallelujah. 
the blood. You know what I love about God? Is that he knows what he needs to say when he needs to say it. <laughs> I pray today that when you leave, you'll say, my gosh, the cost. And the reason you overcome by the blood of the lamb is because it's talking about you today. If you're not trampling it. Because you cannot come to the kingdom of God and keep your will. Meaning you do only what you want to do. You have to put that down and take up his. That's what you have to do. The kingdom of God is not something that you just enter into and then have no responsibility to. It is the responsibility of obedience. And you do that by faith. And as you read the word and grow in the word and learn the word and study the word, then you put yourself in remembrance of the price that was paid for you. First Peter chapter one, verse 14 says this. We'll go to verse 23. He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust, which were yours in your ignorance. But like the holy one who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I'm holy. Now, don't get hung up on that phrase and go, well, you know, I'm not perfect. It's not asking you to be perfect. It's asking you to be holy. And holy means to be separated unto God. That's what that means. That means you put him first. That's what that means. And you understand any imperfection about you, God's going to deal with that when he needs to deal with that. Because he'll keep touching spots in you. Because the blood is going to say, well, for me to do this to this and this and this with this individual, I need to keep renewing their mind, keep releasing all that they are on the inside. Their spirit man's alive, but they don't know how to release it like they should. I mean, we haven't even hardly scratched the surface of kingdom uh, of, of living. I mean, we have angels at our charge that we're not even talking to. I talk to them. I said, Minister of Spirits, you go right now and you make the seas calm. There's not a vehicle I don't get on that I don't send my Minister of Spirits out. When I ride on my motorcycle, I say, I thank you, Lord. And my wife jumped on a scooter in Bermuda, actually, because our trip, our little excursion didn't work. So as a result of that, we just jumped on a scooter and we took off on the island. Little narrow streets, and I had to ride on the left side. And I was getting down, and my wife was like, slow down, slow down. <laughs> she first, for the first, you know, five kilometers was like this. And then by the time we got around the island, she was like this, yeah. with the phone. <laughs> so I gave her peace <laughs> and comfort that I got this. We're all right. <laughs> by no means am I an expert. But I am cautious, right? And I'm not driving too fast, okay? But with that being said, we were moving around, driving, taking in the scenery, right? And I dispatched angels. And I said, everybody sees me and I see everybody. Well, when I got on the ship and ate with this particular couple that we ate with a few times, 
And we told them we got on a scooter and they were like, did you? How was that? Well, that was awesome. Well, man, this one person was like all jacked up. They rode a scooter and wrecked and ran into the side of the mountain. I'm like, wow, <laughs> probably shouldn't have used the scooter, I guess. <laughs> Two or three people had gotten injured. One lady we saw was testing. She was like, no, I'm not doing it. And didn't even do it. And I was like, that's the will of God for your life. You really don't need to get on this thing. <laughs> I mean, it's only like a 50cc scooter, man. This thing's not really fast anyway. Anyway, with that being said, God protects. But there's many kingdom things we're not even doing because we're too fixated on dying and going to heaven. Instead of letting the, the blood speak to, for us and on our behalf so that we overcome in this life. We overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood is speaking on our behalf. We have an overcoming confession because the blood is already in the courtroom and has told the accuser of the brethren. Listen, the devil can't even come and even mention your name unless you're a trampler. Because unlike Job, you can't use Job anymore. Because we're not living in the days of Job. The devil doesn't have access to heaven like he did. Because he has stripped him. The only way he could ever make it there about someone is someone that's in his domain. In Job, everyone was in his domain. But now that Jesus has whipped and stripped him of his power, if he tries to come to the court door and talk about you, if the blood says there is nothing, there, he is absolutely innocent, we won't even give you an appointment with the judge. Because the Bible says the devil now roars around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Not that he can just devour. See, you don't even know who you are. The devil can't go to the Lord anytime he wants to and talk about me and accuse me because the blood says, what do you have? Well, I want to talk to you about Pastor Earl. He's done nothing wrong. What do you mean? The blood's talking because he's forgiven my sin as far as the east is from the, yeah, the blood can't bring up my past, nor does the blood listen to the past. The only way he has access is because I'm creating new things through willfully sinning. But if I live holy in all my behavior, cause the blood, then guess what? How's he going to accuse? Cause I overcome him all the time. The blood's talking on my behalf and then I'm just speaking the word only. I'm living and doing the word. There is no court day in heaven where the devil is accusing me. Oh, my goodness. You cannot use Job in this new covenant dispensation. In fact, if you actually read Job right, the devil didn't even know what all he had. He just knew he had something. He's like, well, let's talk about your boy, Job. He said you protected him because he knew righteousness. He says, look, 
I mean, it's in your power. What power? The stuff. You have dominion over the animals now. What dominion did Adam have? Over all the animals, every creeping thing that creeps. Well, you have dominion over those things. That's why he could destroy that. Y'all don't want to hear this. That's fine. Because so many people are so messed up thinking God did that to Job. God didn't do that to Job. In fact, when he came and said, skin for skin, he's like, true, he is in an earth suit. I did make that out of the dust of the earth. And you do have dominion over all the earth. So, I get it. You're going to put something on him. But let me tell you where your limitation is. You can't put something on him that would require his spirit man to leave his body. Because he's never done anything. The wages of sin is death. And he's done nothing. That is authorized him to die. And he did not curse God. Didn't do it. And after about nine months, some scholars, the most they think is 18. Most believe it was only nine months. God gave him double. Gave him double. Gave him double. This is why I know the Lord didn't give and take away because most people never get double. When they get through the trial, they ain't got double. They just, man, praise the Lord, I made it through. All right, let's go on. Verse 17, if you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. I conduct myself in fear, meaning the fear of God. Man, he paid the ultimate price. It's the blood. And I hold that in respectful awe. How could I ever willfully try to do something against his word when the blood's talking on my behalf? I don't care how you make me feel. I don't care what you say about me. I don't care what the world says about me. How in the world could I ever respond in a way ungodly when the blood's talking? The price was too great. Why would I ever want to jump back into my own will and tell you what I think about this? When the blood's talking. Why would I want to resurrect me when I've been crucified with Christ? And the blood's talking. Because my blood's done nothing. But his blood's done everything. Why would I sit and entertain gossip? Slander. When the blood's talking. Why would I not correct someone who's willfully sinning? When the blood's talking. Why wouldn't I? I'm like, look, bro, I don't want you trampling. You need to quit trampling. Quit trampling. But you don't know how, I don't care how you feel. The blood has paid the price. 
You can live and act a different way. There's a higher living now. You're not supposed to live in your humanity. You're supposed to live as a child of God. And you can because the greater one's on the inside. I said the greater one's on the inside. I said the greater one's on the inside. Hallelujah. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ, the blood of the king. Christ means king. It's the blood of the king. It's the king's blood. It's the king's blood. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but he appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. Aren't you glad you've been purchased by the blood? Come on, aren't you glad you've been purchased by the blood? Aren't you glad the blood, the blood, the blood speaking on your behalf, the blood speaking on your behalf, the blood speaking on your behalf. So let's be the church. That's holy, righteous, separated unto God, and never given occasion to our flesh ever again because the blood's talking. The minute that flesh starts to talk to you, you need to say, hold on a second. I need to get to the courtroom in heaven and talk to the blood concerning this situation because I'm pretty sure he's delivered me from what you're asking me to do. Pretty confident that I don't have to yield to that anymore. I think the blood's talking. And the blood paid the price for that. Anything that could ever come your way, the blood has paid the price. It's paid the price. So why couldn't you step out of your seat and come down? When the blood's been shed. Well, I didn't feel it. I don't care. Because I can tell you right now, not every service of Anchor Faith Church is their call to come down. Now, some people come down all the time. If that's what they want to do, they can. But when there becomes a call of action, when you start saying, man, the blood. Is it too much for me right now to step out? Because I'm not carrying a cross on this walk right now. A real one. Beaten so bad you can't tell I'm a man. Crown of thorns stuck on my head. No, but I will carry this cross. And that is, I'll do what God says because the blood's paid the price. These things are actually just simple ways in service for God to train us to yield to his voice. To yield to his voice. They're just actually exercises for us to yield to the voice of God. Because I'm telling you, Pastor Mark is not going to ask you to come down every service. 
If you've been with us more than five times, now you know that's true. But sometimes they'll say you got to shout. And because of the blood, you can shout. Well, you should dance. Because of the blood, you should dance. I mean, because of the blood, it'd make you get up out your seat. I mean, the blood will make you show up to service early, waiting on hearing the voice of God through the gift that he placed within the body called the apostle and pastor. Are you hearing me? It'll make you get passionate because the blood's talking. I want to be an overcomer. How about you? Right? Can't overcome without the blood. I said can't overcome without the blood. Hallelujah. The blood will get rid of your tradition. Get rid of your false uh, doctrine. Blood to get it all straight. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, the blood before the foundation of the world was ready to speak on your behalf. The blood's talking for everyone. And there will be many on that day that the blood will have said, I paid the price for you. Where you're going, you didn't have to. And I spoke to you on many occasions that you need to repent and accept Jesus as your Lord. And the blood was talking. But you said no. And he'll say, depart. And he'll cast you into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Not because he wants you there, but because you want to go. Because you didn't listen to the blood speaking. But today is the day of salvation. Today's the day of the kingdom. Today's the day the blood says, before you ever came into the planet, I knew you were coming. I knew what you would do. And I've paid your price. If you'll make me Lord, I'll wipe it clean. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. 